Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So last week we talked about kind of why Apple probably needs to improve the App Store in broad terms. Like, you know, challenging the, the, the question of, like, does the App Store need to be improved? And if so, like, what kind of improvements might we see? And last, last week we talked in kind of high level of mo- mostly just, like, why why we think it really does need improvement why we aren't just like being selfish and serving our own needs as independent developers trying to make the app store more more beneficial for us um you know i i think we argued well that it we, that apple really should change it to benefit not only the, the developers but themselves and customers as well that i don't think the app store is as good as it can be i don't think we've learned nothing from its eight years of existence that could inform you know direction it should try to take or changes that it should try to make um and i and i don't think that the apps are as good as they can be for the customers that that result from the system that we have now you know like i recalled uh when i was getting on a plane how i tried to download like a bunch of good games and they were actually pretty hard to find uh and there's so much on there that's just kind of crappy and and simple and simplistic and and even like outright hostile to users which is like you know shoving ads all over the place and tricking them into buying coins and everything and i i think that there's there's clear evidence that the app store not only can be made better but should be made better but the actual specifics of doing that i think are really tricky but I think we, you know, we can think about it and have some ideas. Like we've, the nice thing on the plus side is that we've been following the app store for, I mean, I think I've been sub- making a, uh, you know, my first app was submitted almost eight years ago now, like, or whatever, you know, I was there almost at the beginning. And so yep, me too. I look at it and it's like, I think I have some ideas. I think one of the most obvious is to look at the editorial side. You know, because right now, the you know, there, there's always the question people raise of discoverability. And when people complain about discoverability, what they're usually really complaining about is they think their app deserves more visibility. Trying to look at this from a neutral perspective, not just saying that I think my app deserves more visibility. Um, I think the, the main problem the App Store has with discoverability um, is that they have this massive number of apps, just this this unfathomable number of apps that they have to you know kind of kind of sort through and surface somehow and then they only have really a pretty small number of places that you can browse those apps that there's the the total surface area of discoverability besides just search which is a separate problem um is is kind of low you basically only have top charts and you and you have top charts in different categories so that helps a little bit so but you have top charts and then you have the editorial picks. And even though the editorial staff is, from what it seems, massive, uh, because they have different editorial staffs in different countries, too. So there's, like, the, the amount of staffing d- devoted to picking those, like, you know, 20 or whatever featured apps on the front page every week, plus all the little subcategories, plus all the collections, plus doing that or some subset of that in a whole bunch of different countries and regions around the world, that is not a small endeavor. But the the total result of that is that when when a customer goes to the app store and looks through the, through the editorial picks there you know you can you can be through the entire editorial list in like a minute and a half like there's there's not like you know there there's not it it takes so much human effort on apple side to produce a relatively small number of recommendations every week and and every week is not that frequent um so then you have the top charts which is just like 
it, it, it just has the problem of basically the rich get richer, where it's, it's very hard to break into the top charts. It, they tend to be self-reinforcing because then people who browse the top charts buy from the top charts and keep them going up even further. Um, so that system also only helps a very small number of apps. And then you have search, where search, I, I think, is, is really the, one of the only places where most apps can be found. Um, but the search isn't that good in the App Store. And, and it has gotten less terrible over time. I still wouldn't call it great uh, or even necessarily good. But it, it is at least, you know, less bad. But good search is really hard. And, and, you know, as we see from web search, which has similar challenges. Um, but Apple has, you know, even less data in some ways than, than what you have on web search to, to go off of. Um, although they have a lot more data in other ways that I'm, I'm not sure they're using. But it, it seems like the, the overall discoverability of an app in the App Store is pretty miserable for almost every app, uh, just because the, the number of ways people have to, to see your app are so much smaller than the number of apps in the store. And I don't know, is, do, you, do you know, like, what, what do you think would be a decent way to address that problem? So I think so. The, the most the most straightforward the thing that I think they could do is, is it like on is like the technological so where there's like more of a technological solution. It's like things like search. I always it makes me think of when I go to Amazon.com, right? And I think Amazon sells like several hundred million products, but I find that I'm pretty able pretty able to quickly go through and find like good solid choices. Because their search is more than just a text box that I put some words into. Like I put that, you know, I put, I put some words in a text box and then I go through and I can go through and I can sort in a variety of different ways. I can subdivide or there's further categories beyond just the highest level category. And I could imagine an interface in the app store that would let you have more fine grain control over what I'm searching for. That, you know, you have the ability to say, like, show me even just like base obvious stuff, like um, f- show me free or paid um, apps, um, show me apps that are universal or iPhone only, show me apps that have uh, reviews ab- above a certain amount or are have update are updated frequently or whatever. Like there are various criteria beyond just a text box that you could do to increase the ability to surface apps that are more specific to someone's um you sort of needs because i think that the search as it is now for example has the same kind of rich get richer problem that sometimes i benefit from in some of my apps and sometimes i'm am hurt by um in other apps where if you're the top one or two search results that's great that's like a really powerful marketing tool but if you're not like you're just you're just invisible um as far as the as far as the, the typical user is concerned and that may or may not be good. Like if, if you're somebody who's looking for something of a very particular kind, you just have to do a lot of sitting there going, you know, sort of paging through the app store, doing things that it should be able to do programmatically uh, for you. It's so like that side of it seems like that's a, a, stra- a more straightforward, like that's a technological fix. And then, yeah, like I think on the editorial side, I think it can like putting more and more resources into that seems like it can sort of only makes it better that if you turn over the featured area more regularly. And also one thing I've always thought they should do is taking the work that they put in editorial to like whenever an app is featured, indicating that the app was featured somewhere on that app's page, for example. Like right now, I think unless you are an editor's pick. Yeah, editor's choice gets you that, I think, right? 
but I don't think anything else does. But that seems like one of those things if it's almost like if Apple has taken the time and effort to look at an app and say, you know what, this is like on the approved list, like they're saying that when they put it into the the feature tab, like someone at Apple has sat down and looked at it. Like once your feature is over, obviously I can put that in my description and say like, you know, featured by Apple in the stay on track fitness category in such and such. But it's like, wouldn't it be great if there's a little like sort of like a little thumbs up icon next to the apps that Apple has said are, you know, are really good. And as a customer, or like being able, like I was saying in search of like being able to say like has been featured, um, I think would be an interesting kind of a way to improve discoverability of these apps that, you know, they're doing this work anyway, like they're spending that time to come up with the weekly featured. But then once they, the app has been featured, like that information just sort of disappears. Thinking too about like, about just the, the app page in general, like we, we also have, have a, I think a fairly big issue of just horrible abuses of app metadata and there are some rules around what you are what you are and aren't allowed to put in the description and your keywords and your screenshots but it seems like those rules are are fairly loosely enforced a lot of the time and so you have things like spamming up the description of your app with like tons and tons of like testimonials and stuff right on top and 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 you have things like spamming keywords of other app names of your competitors apps uh so that you turn up for their searches which is has been i think against the rules since the very beginning but is almost completely unenforced um partly out of necessity of just like a scale issue there but it's still very you know mostly unenforced you have things like whether you're supposed to uh put text and overlays on your screenshots or not the good, correct thing to do is not to do that, but so many people do it that you are at a disadvantage if you don't, I feel like. Um, maybe just like some basic rule tightening of what you can and can't put in your app metadata and on that app page, I think would improve the real-world browsability a lot and would improve search because then like, if you if you more strictly enforce the keyword issues and everything, you won't have as, as, as poor search results for things. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you think there's meaningful change to be had there on the on the app pages? I think it certainly seems like there should be a, a ways to make that better. Um, and, and I think the consistency is, I think, a big thing that I know I've always been frustrated with. And it's like I look at, say, for example, uh, the, the the watch apps, you know, making watch apps now. And right now, I believe you, you know, your app, your watch screenshot can only show you the screenshot like of right. Of the app, and it's a rule that so far they seem to be enforcing strongly, and that used to be the case um, back in the case with you know with the with the iPhone, and then just over time, it stopped being the case, um, and things like that, like that consistency, I think would be helpful, like to be, and I think they did the same thing with um, app previews, which I believe were originally uh, only allowed to show in-app screens, but I've certainly seen app previews now that show other things. Really. That wasn't even like a year. And, and it's not that, that I don't see as much, but it has the same type of problem. It's like, it's the scale that app review is dealing with that. Do they really, are they really able to every time an app goes through review, evaluate every, you know, every single screenshot in every single country and the app previews associated with that for potentially many sizes. Like I understand, like, I look at it and it's like, that's just a really tough problem. But enforcing that I think would be, certainly helpful and i think there's certainly i like what they did for example with uh, previews i think that's a great way to 
um, improve, like it's probably the biggest improvement for a lot of apps that the, in the app store page from, you know, eight years ago is being able to kind of show people what your app will be like when you actually get it. Um, cause if we don't have a trial or something like that for a lot of apps, like a, a screenshot, a static screenshot doesn't really show you what the app is or what it's like, um, you, that you, if it's something that you kind of have to experience or the motion and the animation or whatever it is of the app is the important part, having a way to show that is great. Um, but yeah, and I think there's those the things that I think about on the app page is trying to more straightforwardly indicate to the customer, like the the, the overall quality of the app. And some of those things that I or even I think about like on the App Store page is the way reviews reset every time you submit a new update. Oh boy, reviews. And so, <laughs> well, I mean, reviews is a whole thing. But like that's one of the things that I look at, and I'm like, when I launch a new app, or when even worse is when I launch a new update. Like I'm. I try and get a bunch of attention, you know, I do a big 2-0, like, and I try and get a lot of people coming to the app store to download my app. And in the app suddenly has no stars next to it, like has no <laughs> reviews. Yeah, when you're sending all that traffic to it. It's like, why is this like, I understand why they did that. And it was, you know, we, we've, I remember when they implemented that policy it was because they, people would run into issues where you'd have like a bad update that would, you know, crash for everybody. You'd get, you know, hundreds of one star reviews, you'd fix it. And then all those one-star reviews would still be there. And like, that's problematic in one way, but it's like you approach this, like the thing that always makes sense to me is, is like, you should show, if you don't have enough reviews for the current version, then show like the weighted average for the last 30 days or always show the weighted average for the last 30 days or 90 days or whatever. Um, like anything like that, where there is data, if there is information that we can show customers, like if we can show if you've been featured, if we can show the kinds of reviews that you tend to get. Um, we, I mean, even like they're, they're collecting all this data with the, the new analytics stuff in iTunes Connect, like all their retention and engagement data. Like they have a lot of information about whether this app is good. It's like it, for surfacing somehow that kind of information to the customer to say, people who download this app really like this app. Like, I don't know exactly know how you show that, but if you have the data, somehow indicating that to the customer seems like a good a good use of it rather than it just kind of disappearing into the ether the whole star rating system i think really needs a lot of help um the the idea of of first of all you know star ratings are very prominent in the app and and in the app store and many things i think depend on them like you know i know search ranking was been has been rumored to be shifting with star rating um obviously you know, Apple is probably more likely to feature something that has good ratings from past versions, um, and also just I think buyers are you know or or getters uh, <laughs> are are much more likely to download an app that has good ratings under it when they go to look at its page. And then and you know like, if you're looking for an app, if you reach an app that has that has a few one star ratings and the, and the reasons that the people cite seem valid, uh, then that's a big turnoff, and, and you probably are going to reconsider buying or getting that app. Um, so they do matter a lot, and the way they're implemented is so mediocre. I, I feel like this is a this is an obvious area for substantial specific improvements. So obviously, one of the big ones is just quality control. Like you see a lot of a lot of reviews out there that really could have used moderation, <laughs> like by by App Store staff. Like I honestly, I think they they might want to consider a a uh, review before publish model. I know that's a big scale, but they're a big company. This is a big store. You know, you got to invest resources sometimes. Also, just 
you know, reconsidering the five-star system at all. It's basically a one-star and five-star system. So why not consider a system that is more just based on, do I feel good about this or do I feel bad about this app? Um, and, and rather, you know, rather than have this trying to make people quantify like, well, how good or how bad do I feel? Because I think we see over and over again, those systems don't work very well. Um, and they don't really accurately represent what people are thinking with this app. Um, and then, the, obvi- the other obvious problem of having there be no way for developers to respond to these things publicly or privately. And so, you know, I, I think publicly would be the only way you really need to. I-, I don't think you necessarily need to give developers access to privately contact reviewers. I think that, that could be an area for abuse. But uh, publicly, I feel like we should have the ability to publicly respond to to a bad review, you know, and and because uh, a lot of times the bad review is not valid. Uh, or is unfair, or is inflammatory, or you know, it's some other problem that doesn't qualify it for removal, but by Apple necessarily, but that is not really a fair representation. So it'd be nice as a developer to be able to respond to those, so that when people look at it, they can see how you responded, or if you responded. Uh, and, it's, and, and I'm saying this; I know it would be more work for us. Like I'm giving, I'm giving us more homework, but I think that's really important homework. If they're gonna, if they're gonna keep having the system and have it be as prominent as it is, then I think it's it's a little bit misrepresentative very frequently right now just because of all the all the inherent flaws with it let's cover our sponsor first before we move on our sponsor this week a new sponsor of the show it's called rollbar one of the frustrating things about being a developer is dealing with errors now you you rely on users to report errors or you dig through log files trying to debug issues or you have a million alerts flooding your inbox ruining your day with Rollbar's full-stack error monitoring, you get the context, insights, and control you need to find and fix bugs faster, all with a lot less noise. It's easy to install. You can start tracking production errors and deployments in eight minutes or less with Rollbar. Rollbar works with all major languages and frameworks, including Ruby, Python, JavaScript, PHP, yes, Node, iOS, Android, and more. So it's web and native apps. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow, send error alerts to Slack or HipChat, or automatically create new issues in GitHub, Jira, Pivotal Tracker, etc. Now, they have a special offer for listeners of Under the Radar. Go to rollbar.com slash under the radar. That's rollbar.com slash under the radar. Sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free for 90 days. So that's basically 300,000 errors tracked for free. 90 days, rollbar.com slash under the radar. This is loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Instacart, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. So give Rollbar a try today. Go to rollbar.com slash under the radar. Thanks a lot for, to Rollbar for sponsoring Under the Radar and all of Relay FM. So the last area that it seems like we couldn't wade into thinking about a better app store without discussing um, would be around, I guess, business models. Mm-hmm. Um, around, I mean, the things that are perennially topics that come up for this. So obviously that you think about things like uh, trials or paid updates, those types of questions, um, or even just the way that in-app purchase kind of has become and is um, are things that I think there's certainly room for improvement. Like I remember a couple of years ago when I wrote my big towards a better apps app store thing, the thing that I was noticing even back then is the strange thing around, um, trials the difference between like trials and refunds where like the app store has this very ambiguous refund policy. Um, like I've gotten refunds for apps that, um, like I downloaded and it was totally different than what I actually expected it to be based on, you know, the description I saw on the app page. See our discussion five minutes ago. Um, and, you know, it says, you know, I applied for a refund and I got it like, okay, that's great. But if you go into the app store, like the actual 
like terms and conditions, like that massive thing you sign every time you update anything, like deep in there, like it says that there aren't any refunds. Um, this is best I can tell. And like having ambigu- ambiguity around that in some ways is, you know, is problematic. Like if there are refunds for people who don't like apps they download, then basically you have trials. But if you don't make that public or don't make it obvious and easy to do, then it's not really a trial. And so I think about things like that. Like if, there are, if they really don't want trials and don't have any refunds, um, but I think they do. And so why don't you make that process more straightforward and obvious? Like I love the thought, um, I think, and, and I know this is what a couple of other app stores do of you download an app and if you delete it within a certain pe- period of time, um, you get a refund for it as though, you know, it's like it has this built in trial mode and the duration for that in many ways to me, like, I don't really mind too much exactly what that is. Like it could probably be fairly short and I'd be happy. Um, it could be fairly long and I'd be happy. I mean, maybe developers can choose that, um, which might be even better. Yeah. I mean, I, I think ultimately, I think it has to be optional because there are so many abuses of those systems where those do. I think windows phone was the one that, that were, was the big one um, where like, you know, you would like, you try to like, you'd basically have a large incentive to get all the value you could out of an app within a short period of time and then delete it and claim a refund. So for things like games, it was especially problematic where like you just try to beat the whole game in, in like, you know, 24 hours and then, all right, delete it. I got a re- I want a refund. Like, and that, so that, that kind of system being applied without choice to everybody is, is obviously not good. Uh, but it'd be great to have that as an option that you could opt into. And especially if you could even set the duration, because then, yeah, that is free trials, um, if it happens automatically, at least. And uh, and so that is, you know, I, I think with, with looking at things like trials and upgrades, which we'll get to in a second, I think, um, this this won't solve the problems I mentioned last week about just there being way too many apps in the store and just there being tons of competition. It won't solve that problem. But it will make it easier for the apps that can get some kind of attention towards them to both get new customers or new users and then to stay healthy, to, to sustain the business. Because I think if you look at the App Store, one of the biggest problems it has, and this is something Apple should care about because it's affecting their product lines, is there are so many formerly great apps that have just fallen into disrepair and are no longer being maintained because the developers just couldn't make sustainable revenue from them enough to justify ongoing maintenance and ongoing expansion. So then you have issues like Apple launches the iPad Pro and a ton of iPad apps are not ever updated for it. And then that might hurt sales of the iPad Pro. You know, like so this is something like Apple should care about these kinds of things because it is those are really hurting them. Um, so the question is, you know, are they doing everything in their power to to ensure that developers can ha, ha, that developers have the tools they need and the methods that they need to build sustainable businesses to keep their apps and the app store and the platform healthy enough? And I think the answer for that so far is is obviously no. There's lots Apple could do that they have that they're not only not doing, but that it seems like they've never even tried or don't think they need to try. And of course, trials and upgrades I think are the two big examples of that. And you can kind of simulate trials and upgrades through various app store hoops to jump through. You can you can kind of do it within app purchase to some degree, but there's a lot of restrictions around it and a lot of things that don't work very well if, if you try to do it that way. And a lot of ways that customers can get really mad at you and leave a whole bunch of one-star reviews. Like if you try to do a paid app upgrade by just having a second app and you replace the first app, like that's a quick way to get a whole bunch of people to hate you. And, uh, and so... I feel like if Apple implemented these things as first-class citizens, these you know actual, well-functioning trials and upgrades, 
they'd be way better for the customers and for the developers. And so we'd have more of them so we could have better apps because we'd have more ways to make sustainable income. Yeah. And I think the reality is the thing is like, just like we were saying um, around, like, we just want to see change here. Like, I can't imagine that the business model that sort of that the app store was conceived of, you know, all those years ago, it still like makes the most sense um, now. And so, yeah, like I'd love to see even like I could see there's any any system they have. I could imagine there there being a reluctance to do it because of like the possibility for abuse, for example. Um, but it's like it's not like the current system with which is essentially in-app purchase driven um, is devoid of abuse or opportunity for abuse. <laughs> right. And so like, yeah, I, it would be very interesting to be able to do things like proper uh, paid upgrades or um, or having trials that are time limited or those types of op- opportunities. Um, because I think the thing that it also speaks to is there's there are different I don't even know. It seems like there, it seems from my experience, it seems like there are different customers in the app store. Um, there are people who are much more like the, the kind of like the, I never download a, a paid app. I've never paid for an app in my life. I only ever download free apps. Like there are some people that I've, I know and I've met who that's the, that's their mindset. And like, that's totally cool. Like I'm, I'm having no problem if that's the way they see the app store as a part of, you know, as something that they just want to be there sort of as a free add on to their phone. Great. But I think there are also many people, many you know, who I've met who view the who are delighted to pay for apps, who are in who would prefer if they are presented with a free or a paid option for something that seems somewhat equivalent, they'll take the paid one. Um, both because they like that sort of, sort of the concept of supporting the person who makes it more directly. Um, maybe they feel like it'll be better supported down the road. Like they like to feel like they've paid for something. Um, they don't like ads, whatever it is. Like they have reasons for doing that. And creating tools for developers to, you know, ec- capitalize on those people in a, is, is like in a good way. Like not like, in a, like capitalizing on them sounds like kind of skeevy, but like having if, if your customers are looking are, and willing to, you know, you pay for a big upgrade to the software that they've been using for a year, having a mechanism to do that that isn't going to annoy them, like seems like a good thing. Mm-hmm. And that isn't going to hurt the people who like free apps and only want free apps if paid apps can have um, paid updates or things of that of that kind, um, because they're just totally different markets. And so giving developers tools to do that seems like a good way to make sure that they're taking advantage of every opportunity they have for revenue, because revenue is so hard to get in the first place that like giving us more options and choices seems like it would only be a good thing. Well, and part of the power of the App Store when it first launched, and part of the power it still has, is, you know, before the App Store, everything was just web-based, and paying for things on the web sucked so much that it was just really hard to ever get someone to pay for something on the web, because they would have to jump through all these hoops of entering their payment information, and it was just this clunky process. Most people would just say, ah, never mind, and they'd abandon it. Uh, Whereas with the App Store, they had the credit card already on file from the iTunes Store, and they could just type in a password, and bam, it's bought. Now it's even easier with Touch ID. Um, so part of the, you know, we've seen already that if you make it easy to pay for it, people are more likely and more willing and happier to pay. Not everybody will, but more people will. So if they, you know, right now we have all these methods of making, of trying to use an app purchase or swapping, you know, a new app for an old one that, to try to kind of simulate trials and, and upgrades, but they're all worse than the way it would probably be if Apple built those in as first-class citizens. So I think we would actually get more money. We would actually do better. And customers and developers would all be happier if Apple did these things because 
we could make more because it would be easier and it would work better. Yeah, and ultimately, I think customers like ultimately. It seems like you know you, you can ultimately hopefully wind anything uh, Apple related back to customer sat, right? Like that is ultimately the thing that seems to drive a lot of what they're uh, the way Apple thinks, and customer satisfaction is something that you could see a lot like improving the tools around the business models that are available to, to developers improving that if you create opportunities and you know for for a developer to make a good stable living their apps are going to be updated more regularly um it's sort of like you were saying with you know when, when new platforms come out people will adopt them like that's only good for developers that's only good for customers and if it doesn't work like maybe they'd try all these things and in the end it wasn't the answer right like like i'm not completely convinced that adding paid upgrades would somehow dramatically and catastrophically improve things for developer um s- sustainability i think there's a good chance that it would imp- it would help things maybe it won't but trying seems like a way that like having never tried or just saying like hmm maybe that would work maybe it won't and eh, if it's not for sure let's not do it like it's not that's not helping anybody and so that's where i hope like like you know if, if phil schiller ever hears this or um is sitting down um you know running up to wdc and thinking about things he wants to change in ios 10 um hopefully these are things that they're thinking about thinking about ways that they can make things better um, for developers, better for customers, and you know, ultimately, even in their own self-interest, make their people, you know, more have more affinity for their platform. Because you know, it's like the, the app. There's an app for that. Was the one of the plat- sort of the marketing campaigns that I think really helped cement the iPhone, you know, as what it is today. And it's all about the apps, you know, in that in that campaign. Exactly. Well, I hope we see some improvements here. I really do. I'm hopeful that um, you know, under new leadership, maybe we will. And I, and I really i am looking forward to seeing the result of that. So that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.